Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Yesterday morning, as Russia and Ukraine were sitting down to peace talks in Belarus, President Zelensky called on Russian soldiers to lay down their arms. Leave your weaponry and leave. Do not believe your commanders. Do not believe your propagandists. But simply save your lives. Leave. But Russia doubled down, launching rocket attacks on the city of Kharkiv, killing dozens of citizens and injuring hundreds more. As the world watches in horror, we hear from two Ukrainian journalists on the ground about what it's like to watch your home come under attack. We really hope that this madness would stop soon and we all will be living in peace again. If it happened in Ukraine, you never know what can happen in your countries. Nothing is certain in this world. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Ukraine, living in a war zone. I'm grateful for this opportunity to talk to you and to share some of the messages from people that are living here. So thank you so much. Last Friday, my colleague Will spoke to Natalia Grivniak, a 34-year-old journalist based in Kyiv. My name is Natalie Krivniak. I'm a Kiev-born journalist. And I'm happy that I'm, I was born here in Ukraine. I love the country. It's a wonderful and amazing country that I actually have chosen to live in. And I, and I did work and study abroad, but I've always kind of, kind of come, come back. And that, that's the country that I love. Can you just tell me where you are and what you can see? You will see that I'm sitting in um, in a bathroom, in, in a shower room, right? Because that's the only place in, in this apartment where I, where I live and where I lived for many years that has kind of a vibe of being like a shelter room because uh, it has quite thick walls and it's far away from the windows. We've been sitting here for a couple of hours uh, since uh, five, uh, five in the morning. There were explosions all over the city. 
and all over the country, I wanted to tell that as well, <laughs> seems somehow a little bit more safe to be staying here, even though right now outside is it's quiet. But in other districts of the city, uh, the sirens go on and off sometimes and many people are sitting either in the bomb shelters or basements of the of the houses or in their in their apartments almost all streets are deserted natalia lives on the 20th floor of her apartment building with her 64 year old mother and their dog a toy terrier they live on the outskirts of the city on the left bank of the Dnieper river last thursday in the early hours they realized russia had invaded. I woke up, roughly speaking, around five, five-ish in the morning somehow, and then I've started to hear uh, explosions. And there were three explosions in, you know, at five something or two. I immediately went to my mom to wake her up and just to say that, you know, mom, it's, 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 there's some explosions. And she's like, no, I didn't hear anything. You know, everything's fine. I'm like, no, really, I've heard explosions. She switched on TV and none of the channels uh, mentioned that. And I immediately started to go through, you know, Telegram chats and Facebook chats, just just understanding what was those explosions were. It was kind of like a surreal situation. What explosions in Kiev? Uh, you know, Kiev never witnessed that since the you know since the end of World War Two. Then it started to get really serious because you you understand that that was a all national attack on Ukraine. And we're speaking on Friday. Yesterday evening, you WhatsApped me saying that you feared getting through the night. And I saw this morning on Twitter that you tweeted that your apartment was almost hit. How was that? Uh, it's kind of like you're living in the state of um, awaiting that something would happen. That's the worst state that you can ever live it. It's, it's either, okay, let it be already, right? Or let it not be, but this waiting state, that what kills you. Because that increases your anxiety, that increases your panic mode, and that gives you this trembling, you know, desperation. Mm-hmm. So this morning I've, I've seen explosion and I've, <laughs> I've seen a rocket. I've seen the rocket hit and, explo- and exploded right in front of my window. And right now it's quiet, but I know from, from experience and I know from the news that that's what is being, that is what will be happening tonight, for instance. And that's why pretty much all Kiev wants to leave uh, uh, and, and abandon the city because of the possibility of harsh military actions and fights that are going to be happening tonight. And everyone is speaking about that. And it's kind of like this patience and waiting state. It's just, uh, that's scary. <laughs> that's really scary. You've decided to stay. Is that because you're a journalist or you feel that you should? I actually am asking this question myself <laughs> already for two days. I'm quite tormented inside. I love my city and I, my mom wants to stay as well because she did, we have a dog and she doesn't really want to travel anywhere. But And she also loves this apartment and her house. And also I've stayed because I'm working as a journalist. I'm working with a lot of media at the moment. It's, it's good to be in, in the epicenter of the things. But from the other perspective, I, it's, 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 from my personal perspective, it's quite hard. 
On Saturday, Natalia sent us an update from an underground metro station, which was now being used as a bomb shelter. She'd changed her mind and decided it was time to get out of Kiev. But it turned out that wasn't so easy. I wanted to talk to you and write, write you in the morning, but then I actually have been planning to go. I didn't really want to because my mom and my dog would remain here in Kiev. They don't want to go anywhere. They just, <laughs> they just said to me, blackmail me, saying that whenever you will go somewhere, as soon as you will get to the safe place, we will come to you. Well, I tried. I tried my best to make a path for a safer place. Uh, I went to the railway station, and it was such a sunny day, and so peaceful and quiet. I actually tried to escape. I didn't make it. There were no trains towards Lviv to the lowest west, only towards the railway station central, which is on the right bank, close to the very heavily in artillery last night. So I came back to my mom to be with my mom, and right now I'm in the shelter. So that's it, and I'm going to be here till the next morning, hopefully. On Sunday, Natalia was still in the underground bunker for a second day in a row with her boyfriend, mum and their dog. I'm quite scared because for two days in a row, they are saying that there's going to be an extensive shelling and that there's going to be heavy, heavy blasts, heavy, heavy military activity. It's nice to be with my family, but I, would, I yeah, really would like to feel safe again. The feelings of anxiety and anticipation of something bad. And it's hard for me to work, but I just want to feel like I'm not betraying anyone. Late on Sunday evening, Natalia messaged again. She said she was going to try to escape Kiev on Monday. So I got in touch with her on Monday morning. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, nice to see you. <laughs> Hi. Natalia, how and where are you? At the moment, I'm at home. We just came after the curfew has been uh, let out so we can get out of the bomb shelter. We just came to, to take a shower and to eat something and to pack additional things. I personally am just trying right now to understand what to do next. I have a really uh, hard time accepting all of that because my mom doesn't want to go. And I understand that possibly the city will be under siege for a long time and I might not be able to see her you know, for a while and her, see her and my dog, and, um, and I'm torn. I'm torn inside, for real. I can imagine. Why does your mother want to stay? My mom, she says that, first of all, that she's with the dog, and she doesn't really, it's like not, not very convenient. Plus, it's her house, and it's her home, and my father is buried, you know, in Kiev, so she doesn't want to leave him, even, even though he's dead, but she doesn't want yeah. to leave the town where he is. Uh, plus, she has her friends here that are staying here as well. For me, it's almost impossible to leave. Also, I don't want to leave my house. I don't leave. I don't want to leave my my city. I don't want to leave my dog. I don't leave. I don't want to leave my, her, my boyfriend. No, no one. I don't want to. But the more it goes, I have my own issues, uh, health issues, and the more it goes, uh, the worse my health condition become. And I understand that I'm basically, I'm dragging my mom for some, you know, that she needs to be 
kind of looking over me as well. And I, I don't want to let anyone down. And I'm also very becoming very stressful and nervous. And I understand that what, whatever I can do, I cannot go and join the territorial defense, but I can do something on the informational front. I can be a journalist. I can be a person who speaks the truth about Ukraine and speaks the truth about the people and speaks about extraordinary, ordinary people. You clearly started off thinking you wanted to make a difference from inside Kiev. And, you, and you've talked about how hard it is when you're sort of there are sirens going off and you're in bunkers all the time. You know, given that your mother and your dog will probably end up staying, what made you finally sort of think you've got to go regardless? Because I, I imagine that must be such a difficult decision. It is. You cannot even imagine. <laughs> you cannot even imagine. I don't want to leave them. I'm so sorry. I don't want to leave them. But I... <laughs> Either I need to be strong and just stay. I, but she 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 kind of like manipulates me a little bit jokingly <laughs> because she says if you will go, uh, and you will go and you know you will be safe somewhere like you know outside of Ukraine somewhere any anywhere it just doesn't matter where just outside of the Ukraine, I will come. I will come in three days. You know as soon as you will stay somewhere. You know and you will arrange everything for me. I will come. So that's her manipulative way of uh, pushing me out because she knows that I need to get out. Because in general, Kiev will be under siege for a long time, I've been told from many sources. Because I'm trying, at least whenever I have connection or internet, to at least to find out, you know, from, I have, you know, lots of acquaintances and friends as a journalist. Of course, I, I'm typing all of them and saying, you know, what are the predictions? What are the predictions? So what is happening from the official sources rather than going and taking this information from numerous of channels? But for that, I need to have internet connection and I need not to tremble all the time and not to be shaken and not mm -hmm. and at least to understand that, okay, at night I will have a place to sleep. I don't know, a bathroom to go, which yeah. is basic necessities that would prevent me from feeling you know, anxious all the time. And Natalia, I mean, you know, for people listening, your life was completely different just a week ago. You know, you've, you've been a, a journalist for a while. You've covered wars in other places. What is it like covering an invasion of your own home? Surreal. Surreal. Unexpected. Nothing that I've ever imagined that would happen. Of course, I understand that we have war for eight years in Ukraine. Ukrainians are fighting for democracy rather than autocratic style of ruling what Russia has. But that's what people are fighting for, to have a decision-making in their own hands, which we had in our blood for many, many centuries, that we yeah. wanted our land to be ours and for us to, to choose what we want to do with our land and not no one to tell us what to do, what president to put, what president to like, what president not to like. It's our decisions, right? Natalia, you're absolutely right. And I honestly just wish you and your countrymen luck in, in being able to assert your independence and your right to sovereignty. And I really hope you manage to get out. I, I know you're eager to get back to the station, so I ought to let you go. But good luck uh, and keep in touch. Let us know what happens. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much you. for having this interest in, in us and uh, showing uh, our lives. There are so many people, great people, that share what, they, what they're going through right now. On both sides, by the way. So I'm, I'm yeah, not. I'm not yeah. talking about. I'm, I'm being like right now. I'm being like a journalist objective, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to to see what is happening in this country in, as through our eyes, just to see. Good luck. Thank you so much. 
On Friday night, I phoned another Ukrainian journalist in the southeast of the country. Hello. Hi, is that Katerina? Yeah, that's me. Hi. Hello, it's Manveen from The Times. Hi, Manveen. Hi, thanks so much for doing this. Are you somewhere safe, somewhere you can talk? Yes, I'm safe now. For now, yes. But tomorrow we'll be back again somewhere. That's Katerina Malafievna. She's a journalist from a city called Mariupol in the disputed Donetsk region. She left Mariupol on Friday morning and had been driving all day. When I got through to her on Friday night, she had just arrived at a hotel in Dnipro in central Ukraine. I'm extremely exhausted. The situation is getting more tense and there are a lot of things on the road happening. Like, for example, there was a high risk today for us to get trapped between the tanks. And that's why I need to concentrate as much as I can on the road, on the news, where the fighting is happening, because the front line is moving. Nobody's knowing where where is the front line. That's why I need really to be uh, aware of the situation. I know what you're going through isn't easy right now. I mean, just, yeah. just tell us, where, where are you now? I'm in Dnipro. Today I started my journey in Mariupol. Uh, basically, we were heading to Militopol, but then we started hearing from locals and also on social networks that the fighting was happening in Militopol. So we had to avert because the locals told us that the Russian tanks uh, were already passing through the village below Militopol. And, well, nobody wants, of course, to be trapped between the fighting and also our cars was the only one on the road. You know, it's, it's a possibility to be targeted by the drones. It just felt very frightening and we made a good decision not to take it. So we had to bypass and go through the field roads, very, very bad roads between the villages. And Katerina, I mean, just tell us a bit about yourself and where is home? That's a good question, because I am a freelance journalist from Ukraine. I'm originally from Donetsk, and I already experienced the war in 2014-2016. So when the war started, I started working as a journalist, because prior to that, I was a teacher of history. So back then, in 2014, I realized that journalism can actually help more my people than things that I've done before. I mean, remind us, for people who don't remember exactly what happened in 2014, remind us... What happened to your home and why you felt you had to become a journalist to to tell the world about it? In 2014, you know, the war between Russian, pro-Russian separatists and Ukrainian forces started. So I don't want to go into the details at the moment because it's not safe for me because my parents live still in Donetsk. So in a way, I need to say that the situation that is happening now is very worrying for me because it means that for the second time I already experienced the war in my lifetime. I feel like a double trauma. I I feel that the things are happening over and over again. You can't get used to the sound of shelling. You can't get used to this. And what is happening right now can actually change the whole course of the Ukrainian history, the course of the country as it is. Coming up, what it feels like to wake up and find yourself living in a war zone. But first. I'm Anthony Lloyd, war correspondent for The Times. It's you who enables me to report from some of the most volatile environments in the world. 
get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times and it brings together the real life stories from our obituaries desk which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. So, Katerina, Thursday morning, very early, when the attack came, describe it for us. Were you asleep? What happened? Until 2 a.m., I was scrolling anxiously through different social networks, checking news. And I woke up uh, at 6 o'clock from the knock into my door. This was a colleague I'm working with, and he knocked and said, it's happening. There are explosions in Kiev. And this moment I realized that the war has started. Uh, So all those rumors, all those speculations that we heard about before, that they actually came true. Maybe 20 minutes later, 6.20, 6.25, I heard the first explosion. So I started to hear shelling. For the first three hours, I was trembling. So... It's like you, you can't convey this, this feeling. You just can't describe it. And tell me, as you drove out of Mariupol earlier, what were you seeing along the road? In comparison to when I've seen hundreds of cars leaving Mariupol, the road was absolutely empty. And this is so scary because when you see an empty road, that means that something is happening or about to happen. What else I've seen... I've seen absolutely deserted villages. People were either hiding or they left. The doors were closed. And when people are fleeing, I mean, where are they going? Where is safe now? I don't know. Some people are moving towards the western border of Ukraine to Lviv. Some of them trying to cross to Poland, Romania or Moldova. Yeah, I don't know. I personally do not wish anyone to experience what I experienced in 2014, 2016, and what I'm experiencing right now. I I can't wish this to anyone. I was in touch with my relatives in Russia, telling them that this is is happening. Your your niece is hiding right now. Your niece is, is sitting in the darkness about to go to the basement because of the shelling. And they were like... They couldn't, they couldn't find any sympathy because they were like, yeah, this is, this is, Ukraine is guilty for that. Ukraine is the one to blame. I mean, I couldn't understand why my relatives were thinking like that. And I said, but if your niece would die, this blood will be in your, on your hands. So I can't, Imagine how, imagine how people in Russia brainwashed with uh, propaganda think about this war, and this is even more painful when it comes from your relatives. And your relatives in Russia think this war is justified. Correct. Yes. Wow. That's so. My 
my cousin, she blocked me. She blocked me on WhatsApp. And I was thinking, you can't just block your cousin knowing that she's in the war zone, knowing that something might might happen happen to her. Exactly. Even if you hate Ukraine, even if you hate people or whatever, if you have any human side inside of you, you would be actually worried about your your sister. And this is just heartbreaking. I mean, what is your message, you know, to people listening to this podcast all over the world? What do you want them to know? First of all, my experience shows me that the war can happen anytime in every country. We live in the 21st century, but the wars are still happening. Would I imagine 33 years ago that I, I would experience this in my life? Me, you know, being an educated person, having two degrees, one in the UK, studying in the US as well. Would I ever imagine that I would be covering, the, I would be living through the war, not only covering? No, I wouldn't. Probably the message is that um, it seems like that the world is crumbling, right? <laughs> we we see protests in Russia. We see what happened in Belarus last year. We see now things in Ukraine. There is no ground. You can't you can't feel the ground under your feet, right? What would what would be the message? It's, I want this to stop. I don't want other people to experience this. I don't I don't wish them to experience what I've lived through before. I don't think any violence can be justified and I think that it should be stopped. Because you guys listening to this podcast in, in Europe or in the UK, you you should understand that I mean you remember the time when you were coming to Kiev or Lviv hanging out, having fun, making new friends, admiring the architecture. And now it's happening, the war is happening in this in the in the cities that you so loved before. So I think this should stop and, and people should stop dying. This is one of the most unimaginable things. Ukraine is bordering European Union countries. It happened just in front of your door and you let it happen. If it happened in Ukraine, you never know what can happen in your countries. Nothing is certain in this world. Nothing is certain in this life. And, um, you know, everything can happen. Just, first of all, I want this to stop. Because I don't want to dedicate the, the entire life, my entire life, to covering the conflict, covering the occupation, covering the invasions, covering the war between, you know, NATO and Russia. I don't want this to happen in my on on this soil. I don't want this to to happen. This, there sh- there should be some resolution from it. Do you think you'll ever be able to go back and live in Donetsk? I've been thinking about this for the past eight years. And I saw that if things would get back to normal, the planes would be flying, the crossing would be possible, not these restrictions connected to the limitation of the movement. If there would be freedom of speech, I would be the first one to be there to rebuild, restore, 
because I love my land so much. I love my home so much. Every every piece of of the soil, the soil where um, a lot of famous writers used to visit, the soil that produced so talented people, musicians, poets, the soil that produced so hardworking people, one of the most strongest people in Ukraine, in Donbass, hardworking and with very strong will and spirit. Of course, I would be back to Donetsk, of course, because home is home. And then, just before three o'clock yesterday afternoon, five o'clock in Ukraine, I got a short message from Natalia in Kiev. I'm on a train. She'd made it. She was on a train, leaving the capital, heading west to Lviv, near the Polish border. A short while later, she sent me another message as the train pulled out of the city. And I'm looking right now out of the window to the sunset and the the city is completely dark. She doesn't know how long she'll be in Lviv or even if she'll stay in Ukraine. Maybe I will go to the border soon and uh, we'll try to go to another country for a short while. I don't want to do that for more than one or two weeks. And I really hope that everything's going to be fine in Ukraine and no more shelling and no more fights. I feel like my heart has been torn apart with a knife and bleeding. So that's how I feel. Thank you so much for listening to me. Her mother and the family dog stayed behind in Kyiv. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Ukrainian journalists Natalia Grivniak in Kiev and Katerina Malafievna, who spoke to us from Dnipro. The producers today were Will Rowe and Taryn Siegel. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by Tom Birchall. If you found this episode helpful, please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. 
a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> but you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>